We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Witch's Brew on October 31st, 1980. It was written by Sid Dutton and Richard Shore, based on the horror fantasy novel Conjure Wife by Fritz Lieber Jr. Conjure Wife? Conjure Wife. Like... I conjured a wife. Like, is it it's just called. Tense? It's just called conjure wife. <laughs> yeah, conjure it's not, wife. It's not conjurer wife. Or conjuring wife. Yeah, yeah. Or conjured wife. And they didn't conjugate the <laughs> verb in the title. It just says conjure wife by Fritz Lieber Jr. Directed by Richard Shore with additional sequences directed by Herbert L. Strock and released by United Artists. Fritz Lieber Jr.'s Conjure Wife was first published in the April 1943 issue of Unknown Magazine, or Unknown Worlds, oh, okay. two titles. <laughs> I was like, you don't know the magazine? or yeah. It was adapted very quickly into Weird Woman the following year, starring Lon Chaney Jr., Anne Gwynn, and Evelyn Ankers. Weird Woman's director Reginald LeBorg recalls being given the script on a Friday and being told to begin shooting a week from Monday. So I'm guessing that version was not much better than this one. <laughs> yeah. The cast was filled out shortly before filming. This rushed production schedule was the norm at Universal at the time. They completed filming in 12 days. A second adaptation was released in 1962 as Night of the Eagle, for some reason, <laughs> in the UK, and Burn Witch Burn in the US. That shows you a little bit of the difference between those two countries. Mm -hmm. Night of the Eagle. Burn Witch Burn. <laughs> In 2019, Lieber Jr.'s Conjure Wife was awarded a Retro Hugo for Best Novel, beating out other 1943 titles, including Paralandra by C.S. Lewis and Gather Darkness, also by Fritz Lieber Jr. Writer-director Richard Shore was fired off of the film mid-production. So that huh. explains why there's additional sequences directed by Mr. Herbert L. Strock surprised that richard benjamin didn't just jump in there and yeah. take yeah. over i don't know if he was directing at the time though but he would definitely step into directing I later thought he directed one of ours earlier this year no he's just been in a lot of he's them. just been in them hmm. although we did watch money pit recently which he did direct he did direct that one we start with a weird techno beat over a crowded college campus a pair of students head to a bulletin board and staple up a poster advertising a lecture tonight from joshua lightman Played by Richard Benjamin. We spend way too much time with these college students because yes. I'm all, all right. So who are these people? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm already like taking notes about. They're going to be like, important. Yeah. I when I don't know the characters yet, I like put I put like person X and person Y or X and Y. Yeah. Like just so I can keep track of who's who. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, we completely dropped them, and all my notes are just <laughs> delete, yeah. delete, delete. I took down all the details of this lecture too, and that's not important either. But it's at the auditorium at 7 p.m. <laughs> And it's called Elitism for Today, sponsored by the Psychology Club. I'm assuming these two students are members of the Psychology Club. We're getting a super funky original theme song called Witch's Brew over really boring shots of a college campus. A lady told me exactly what to do. Students continue hanging posters, and the girl asks the guy if he got into Professor Lightman's class. Apparently, there's a two-semester waiting list, and the girl suspects that even Margaret Lightman couldn't get into the class. I'm assuming Margaret is his daughter? Nope, it's his wife. Mm -hmm. Why would his wife be signing up for I his psychology know. class, first of all? Second of all, who knows the name of their off-campus professor's wife? <laughs> like, why would that be? Why would that come up in conversation? We see Margaret laying across the couch while a friend, Susan, paints a circle of lamb's blood around her belly button. She's extremely ticklish, and her friend is chastising her for wiggling. They hear a knock at the door, and it's their friend, Linda, interrupting the spell. Looks like she just got back from a specialty shop with supplies for Susan. I don't mind telling you, Susan, that I'm 
most disgusting shopping. Hi, Margaret. Hi. Lamb's blood. Cat urine? Did you get the bat guano? Susan asks for the birth dates and exact times for each of their husbands and writes them down on a clipboard. She intends to cast charts on all three of their husbands. She mentions someone named Vivian, who seems to have taught them their witchy ways, and that they can find order in the stars. Linda doubts the efficacy of the witchcraft, but Susan points out that her husband, Nick, has gone from lowly professor to dean. Linda points out that her husband, Charles, hasn't made any progress, and Susan suggests she just isn't taking it seriously enough. Even though she spent, she claims to have spent three hours in a cave collecting fresh bat guano. Right. It seems like she's trying pretty hard. Maybe she's just bad at it. <laughs> Margaret mentions that her husband, Joshua, doesn't believe in any of it, preferring instead to believe that he's accomplished these things all by himself. Susan says that the spell she just cast by painting a circle around Margaret's belly button is sure to lock Joshua in for the psychology chair position. She's she's showing her how to do yeah. the ceremony later with him. I think that I'd be surprised if the other husbands were like, yes, everything that you're doing is definitely helping us. Yeah. <laughs> but also, we come to find out that they're competing. Josh and Charlie are at least competing for this chair. So I think it's weird that these three wives are here together and they're just openly talking in front of Charlie's wife that, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, we're going to help Josh get the chair. I'm like, mm -hmm. wait, what? They're all competing for this spot. Yeah. And it's weird, too, because Nick and Josh are apparently both in line for a different position at the university that Nick is more likely to get. But it's just like, why are, why are the three of you on the same team if your husbands are in contention with each other? It just yeah. seems weird. We see Margaret and Joshua lying on a blanket in their yard. At first, I thought they were just like in a park, but I guess it's yeah. a huge yard. She's rubbing something on his back, and he wants to know what it is because it smells awful. And eventually, she tells him, bat guano and cat urine. She flips him over and makes a circle in lamb's blood around his belly button. And then she attaches feathers to his nipples and informs him that he is to lay here until the sun comes up. She uses scotch tape to do this? Mm -hmm. I feel like that is not traditional. No, probably not. <laughs> but I have to say that her husband is a very, very good sport. <laughs> because I think he actually laid there until the sun came up. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Back in the house, Margaret hears the shower running in the morning, and she goes to knock on the door. She's upset because he was supposed to leave all this stuff on for 12 hours, and they'll have to start the process over tonight. But he doesn't seem interested in a repeat attempt. I think it's a little strange, though, that he put up with it and yeah. stayed out in the yard all night. And yeah. then and then you're going to shower and, well, and not like humor her any longer? I don't know if she told him it was going to take 12 hours. It seems like she didn't until he came out of the shower. Like, oh, you had to leave it on for 12 hours. Oh, it's fine. We'll start it again tonight. And it's like, no, I already did your dumb thing. You, you told me what to do, yeah. and I did it for a really long time. A man sits at a table with his mother, Vivian. He asks what's for breakfast, and she says he'll have to feed himself because she's busy with her cookbooks. Before he leaves, she asks if he can help with some math. If I give you a bunch of equations, could you find the underlying formulas common to all of them? I was thinking that I could combine a lot of different recipes and get right to the heart of any particular dish. Clever idea. I'll run it through the computer today. <laughs> Doesn't check out at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even really clear how this correlates to her magic. Like, I, I mean, I, I get that she's talking about the magic and not recipes, but right. I don't really understand what she's trying to get him to do for her. <laughs> I think she's trying to figure out which, which souls are compatible with which bodies mathematically. Oh. And so she has all those numbers, all the figures on the husbands. Oh. So that's what I'm assuming. Like all those, all those, all those, all that information is what's playing I never this. put this dumb plot together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for some reason, this makes perfect sense to him, and he offers to run it through a computer at his job. Back in the Lightman household, Joshua is reprimanding Margaret for the subpar breakfast offerings. He fantasizes that his friend Charlie is getting a massive breakfast from his beautiful wife, and he's sitting here with a hotel-sized mini box of cornflakes. He stands to leave, and he grabs his tennis rackets on the way out headed to Linus's for a quick game, and if he gets there early enough, breakfast. He tells her that it's time to pick a new hobby, and she mentions that she's been at this for four years, and this is a great opportunity for him, but he doesn't care. On his way to Linus's place, he blasts through a speed trap, but the cop says that his radar scanner isn't working. You can also just tell that the guy's speeding yeah. and follow him. You don't have to just let it go because your thing was broken. 
We cut to the tail end of the tennis game, and it sounds like Joshua scored some incredible save that won the match. They flip a coin to see who's buying beer, and it's not Josh. Linda and Susan peruse old witchcraft texts. They're reading about something called a Lucifer egg, which is a giant stone egg, large enough for a person to fit inside. Linda mentions that Vivian has something like that, and Susan says she's trying to convince Vivian to donate it to a sculpture garden on the campus so they can use it themselves. The phone rings at Vivian's place, and she stops to take a pill on her way to answering it. She seems to be having some kind of a health issue. It seems like this is uh, one of those uh, heart pills again. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, nitro. Mm-hmm. She's fit to explode. Margaret shows up at Susan's place and tells the ladies that Joshua has demanded she remove all of her spells from him. She thinks the best revenge is to do exactly that and prove to him what she has provided these past four years. You know, I've got, I've got a good mind just to teach him a lesson. I'll remove all those spells. I'll let his luck run out a little bit. Margaret storms back out, and Susan tells Linda that Margaret's taking a vacation from witchcraft. I, I like that Linda is also here, like, saying, I'm going to make a snack. Do you have stuff? Yeah. It's like, she's all, <laughs> yeah. It's like, you have stuff? It's like, yes, I have stuff. <laughs> and then she literally comes out with a platter of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, like a giant platter. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah. she like cut up a pineapple and everything. She's like, well, who's going to eat this whole platter of food I made if she left? We get a single shot of Vivian's son at the office plugging her equations into a computer before we're back at the Lightman household. Yeah, don't want to forget that bit of plot. Yeah, very important that, that, that we he's... know he followed through on that. <laughs> we're, we're back in the Lightman house where Joshua is getting home from his tennis game in the living room. Margaret is filling a basket with all of her witchcraft ingredients. She tries again to explain how long he's been under her protection, but he says, Honey, this stuff being funny last night. She gives him the hamper full of weird stuff, and he carries it into the kitchen for some reason. He's like balancing it on the edge of the sink. I think he was going to dump it down the garbage disposal, but we never actually see what he does with it. Right. Although later he does say that he dumped it down the sink. Even though, like, it was in envelopes and jars and, jars and, and stuff. Bottles. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Oh, it is a disposal. Yes, that's true. As he comes out of the kitchen, he notices his keys in the front door and immediately pries the lucky rabbit's foot off his keychain and throws it out into the yard. Just after he lets go, we hear thunder strike in the distance, or I guess lightning strikes, but we hear thunder from a lightning strike, and he laughs it off as he heads back into the house to kiss his wife. She asks if he feels any different, and immediately he pretends he's having a heart attack before ordering a pizza. While he waits on hold with the pizza place, Margaret gives him two weeks on the outside, and he doesn't understand what she means, even though I think in the context it's pretty clear that she's saying you won't last long without the spells. for sure. We see Vivian, Susan, and Linda seated around a table. Vivian is presenting to them a magnificent discovery in the form of gingerbread cookies modeled after all of the main characters of the film. We cut back to the Lightman house, and Joshua is wondering where their pizza guy could be. They each take shots of liquor and agree to go to bed together without their pizza. Pass the lips and pass the gums. Look out, stomach. Here it comes. Let's Let's go go to bed. bed. They just turn around and walk away. We see Susan and Linda scheming in a car. Susan tells Linda that she wants to help Charles take the psychology chair job away from Joshua because she's worried that if Joshua becomes the chair, he might steal her husband Nick's shot at the university presidency. We cut to Josh and Margaret in bed when the phone rings, and it's a man who tells Josh he loves him, and then Josh hangs up on the prank caller. A second caller, Miss Arnold, is a former student demanding a better grade. He refuses, and she threatens him. Margaret advises him to take the phone off the hook so they won't be interrupted again, but pizza arrives and the doorbell rings. So was the pizza coming late supposed to be an example of bad luck? I guess. It still got there. (laughs) <laughs> like any any pizza is good luck right <laughs> yeah the next morning his alarm goes off and it is fucking annoying the sound that this thing makes yeah it also won't shut off until he unplugs it from the wall he cuts himself twice shaving and finally he gets a well-deserved speeding ticket on the way to work vivian tries to get margaret's attention from the back of a passing limousine while margaret stands at a parking meter she recommends margaret get in the car so they can have a private conversation We get this really clunky piece of exposition here. You've uh, heard about Linus? Of course. Who hasn't? That's wonderful. Do you realize that as of today, he is the youngest mathematics chairman in the history of the school? Well, I don't have to tell you how I feel about my son's success. (laughs) It's just like right away, it's like, 
that guy before, he's my son. He's a mathematics chair at the same university, even though he looks too young to be one. Mm-hmm. Also, none of this matters. No. That's true. At, at all. <laughs> no, they could have nope. completely cut this character out of the film. She tells Margaret that they're throwing a party for him tonight and invites Margaret and Josh. Joshua gets parked at the campus, and we see Susan taking Polaroids of the devil egg or whatever the shit it's called. In class, Lightman is telling his students that there's no absolute good, evil, or truth, just human beings. A student asks if this means man is the center of the universe, but I'm distracted by a student behind him wearing an I'm a pepper shirt. (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me that David Naughton from Midnight Madness earlier this year was the center of that campaign for Dr. Pepper, and it represented most of his work before he was cast in that film. An angry student in the front row demands that Joshua acknowledge that Jesus Christ is our savior and God created the universe, and he dismisses her point rather harshly. As usual, Miss Groton, I think you missed the point. Now, are any of these people the ones that have grievances against him that we're calling? No. No. Uh, Although the girl, Miss Groton, is the daughter of the guy who is the current president of the campus. Okay. But it doesn't backfire at all. Not relevant. That he ripped on her in the middle of class. (laughs) He dismisses the class, and the student who asked if the universe is human-centered follows him out. He asks if the Bible-thumping student would be classified as neurotic or psychotic, and Joshua refuses to answer the question because Mrs. Groton is the daughter of the university president. Susan sees Joshua moving across the campus and asks to take a picture of him with the Satan egg. Joshua heads into Nick's office on the campus where he finds out that a student has filed a sexual assault allegation against him. He asks her name, and Nick says... It's not a her. It's a male student, probably the one that called him the night before and said, I love you. The student claims that while he was a member of a therapy group Joshua was hosting, that Josh convinced him he was gay and took him to a motel to seduce him. This never pays off at all, this moment. We just introduced that he's in trouble for this, and then at the end it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it feels like they're they're trying too hard to pile on the bad luck. And and these things also... I, I wouldn't correlate them with luck either. Yeah. Like yeah. like the fact that like like luck would be he did sexually assault someone yeah. and he got away with oh, it. Oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point. Maybe it did happen. Okay. And so far he's just been getting he's away with it. He's been really lucky to get away with all the sexual assault. <laughs> <laughs> A lucky bastard. <laughs> that night Margaret asks if anything unusual happened and he tries to pretend everything's fine because he doesn't want to admit that it was a mistake to dump all of her newt balls and cat jizz or whatever down the drain (laughs) she's trying to get dressed up for linus's party and asks for his help with a necklace clasp he pretends he's helping and asks her to sit down and then lie down before dropping the necklace on the bed and undoing her hair in the driveway joshua's car won't start and margaret suggests they take her car Joshua tries to fix the problem himself, but the hood drops on his head magically, and he agrees to take her car. At the party, the professor's husbands congratulate Linus on his mathematics chair position. Charlie challenges Joshua to a tennis game to decide who will take the psychology chair gig. Vivian borrows Margaret for a moment, and she gives Margaret a decorative kimono. Margaret says, Oh, Vivian, I just wish there was something I could do for you. Maybe. And somehow, with just this line read, I take her meaning that she intends to swap bodies with Terry Garr (laughs) before she dies John Malkovich style. (laughs) On the way home, Joshua is drunkenly leaning on Margaret as she drives. The next morning, Josh wakes up with a terrible hangover, but his car seems to be in working order. It just starts (laughs) up fine the next day. We see the girl whose grade he refused to change park a van outside of a building and then sneak inside. On the roof of the building, she assembles a gun... I was certain this was Susan until I saw her yeah. pull out the gun. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this isn't a witch. By the way, it's still his wife's car. What's that? It's still oh, his is wife. it his wife's car? Yeah, I because he, took he, his returns car it, he returns home later and she's like, what'd you do to my car? I think that's a that's a separate a time again. Incident? Yeah, because he, he has another morning where he goes out and the car won't start again. And so okay. he takes her car without asking. Oh, none of the, we don't need it to, matters. We don't need to keep doing no. yeah. this, that We keep watching him cut himself <laughs> shaving. We keep watching his car not start. It doesn't matter. At, at this, everything up to before this was like, this, this is like an episode of Bewitched. Yeah. It's like, like yeah. a charming comedy. Yeah. And then literally. Suddenly. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> and it gets more terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it gets it gets so terrifying that it's funny again. Yeah. 
Uh, but on the roof of this building, she puts this gun together and she looks out over the edge of the building at the faculty parking lot across the street and fires several rounds through Joshua's car just as he's parking it. Everyone in the parking lot freaks out and starts running away and he's ducking behind the car to not get shot. Um, but she takes out all the windows of his car. Police find the woman at the top of the building and arrest her. And we cut to Nicholas on the phone telling Margaret what happened with the shooting. He reiterates that no one is hurt and that he probably just didn't want you to be worried. That's why he didn't bother to call you and tell you that a crazy student shot at him until she was arrested. But again, like, it actually seems to me like he's got pretty good luck. He escaped unharmed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Uh, we cut to Richard Benjamin at a sauna with other faculty members. The last time we saw Richard Benjamin in a sauna, he was getting divorced in Last Married Couple in America. Yeah. Complaining about his weak stream. Yeah. <laughs> he kept turning the heat up and George Segal is like, why is it so hot in here? The other men in the sauna talk about how crazy it is that Joshua was once a shoe-in for the chair position, but with this shooting and the sexual assault charges, he basically has no chance now. I don't know why the shooting hurt his chances. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone tried to murder you. You somebody, obviously don't yeah. deserve it. Somebody crazy enough to get a gun out and shoot at me has a grievance. Yeah. Um, like, maybe we should not take her seriously. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you could look at it in the sense that uh, she got a... He wasn't able to some come to some kind of non-violent compromise with a student had <laughs> I a guess, bad yeah. grade. But... Charlie enters and tells the other men about the witchcraft that his wife is putting him through as a possible explanation for his sudden consideration for the job. It finally clicks with Joshua that this wasn't all in Margaret's head. We cut to him the next morning getting out of bed and right away he steps on something sharp and then cuts himself shaving, which we've seen him do every day since she stopped the spells. This guy never learned how to shave properly. Yeah, he seems to be getting worse at it day to day. Because the first day there were two cuts, and then by now there's like 12. It's like the, I mean, the first time it happened, you think you'd be like, oh, I need to slow down and be more careful. Yeah. And then the fifth time it happens, you're like, I'll grow a beard. <laughs> His car won't start again, and he just switches to Margaret's without even talking to her about it. Susan takes Polaroids of the Beelzebub egg again. Joshua tells his class that stress was once a useful condition, but in the modern world, it is not. Okay, so hold on. Getting back to the uh, the Bielsa super Satan egg. Yeah. How is this a spell where you take a photograph of it? Witches didn't have cameras to take photographs. Well, yeah, you used to have now. to do a drawing like, do a dra do every day. Have a sitting. <laughs> yeah. If you needed to curse someone, they needed you needed to have them sit for you so you can draw yeah. them. Well, yeah. no, you just have to do an egg doodle and then well, could, she do some more him. doodles with your egg. <laughs> but she needed him in front of it oh, for one she? of them. Yeah, she needed him in front of it too. Yeah, that's why she took a picture of him. But then she keeps doing it other days where he's not there. What is the usefulness of that? I don't know, but she's but she's like taking the picture and then adding little additional Scribbles at the like hieroglyphics. Yeah. I don't know what they are. They look like little towers of balanced rocks. Yeah. <laughs> On the bottom part where you would write John G or whatever, mm -hmm. she's writing <laughs> hieroglyphics. It's a, it's called a cairn. A cairn? A cairn? That's you, specifically the bottom part of a Polaroid. No, no, no. When, when you're stacking rocks. Oh, oh, a cairn. Yeah. I don't cairn about that. I was talking about the Polaroid. Just after Susan walks away from the egg on campus, it begins to hatch. Charlie pops into Joshua's office to check on him, and Joshua congratulates him on the position. I don't know if there was a mistake in the VHS that we watched, but the next shot is Susan and Linda walking past the building at night, and Linda says, Susan, and then we just cut right back to Joshua's office, and he's in the same position after having <laughs> said the same line, and uh, he just stands to leave the office for the day. I don't know if that was supposed to establish for us that it's nighttime as he's leaving, but it's very weird the well, way it's edited. And we didn't need to because Charlie already established that it was night because he said, I saw your light was still on and so yeah. I came to see you. So I was like, but oh, it yeah. looks like daytime in his office. So yeah. I think they were like, uh, we need to make this clearer. Linda and Susan are here to take another picture of the egg. They drop some things and while Linda is picking them up, she tilts her head just enough to see that the egg has busted open and a demon is breaking loose from the shell. He has glowing colored eyes and horns and his head is very slimy. He shoots lasers from his <laughs> eyes. I don't know what happened. We are an hour into this movie and we have just changed genres. Like yes. It is bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Now we have a giant demon with laser eyes 
flying around. It can fly too. Yeah, it's it has like wings. A, I think it's a stop motion animated demon yeah. or something. Yeah. It's very, very weird looking. But he flies off into the air and is immediately chasing Joshua around the campus, firing its laser beams at the ground around him. Susan and Linda run to a payphone to call Vivian for help capturing baby Lucifer. I don't get what they thought was going to yeah, come out of a Lucifer plan? egg. But what was the plan? Like, ser- I mean, they they had a book. They saw that a like a they they knew this was going to happen. Yeah. So I, maybe was the, the plan- spell was super understated, and it was like he'll have bad luck in quotes if you take a picture near this egg. Right, but like, was the Lucifer you know flying devil thing supposed to just pick him up and carry him away forever and kill him or something? Like, I don't I understand. Don't the end goal of this well, yeah well and and i don't i don't really understand susan as a character because later on she doesn't seem to really care if anyone lives or dies yeah and so it's like so why does she care if joshua dies right now yeah like it's not clear other than i guess maybe this thing could come back around and kill them yeah. but it chases richard benjamin on his drive home and tears open the rag top of his wife's convertible at home, Vivian sketches symbols on a page, and then when she flips the page open, the demon explodes in the air over Joshua's car, and he skids and loses control of the car, almost goes off the road. He gets home in the messed up car, and Margaret is waiting for him. Joshua tells her it's time for them to leave town, and he wants to call the airlines, but she convinces him to have a drink first. And we cut to him in bed, and it seems like she's cast a spell on him, because for some reason now he's listening to her when she explains why things have been bad for him since they threw out her protective ingredients. She seals the spell with a kiss and an incantation. You have drunk from my lips. I have drunk from thine. All I have is yours. All that's yours is mine. Say it, Josh. And he repeats it. Margaret runs out to her car when Joshua passes out. But what is that spell supposed to do? Just I think just knock keep him, him home and, yeah, away from so she can go get stuff done. Okay. She heads over to Susan's house to knock on the door late at night, and when Nick opens it, she just runs past him upstairs to speak with Susan in her bedroom. She seems to have deduced that Susan and Linda's whole plan is to kill her husband so that Charlie can get this job, and she's furious about it, and then she storms out. Margaret finds a chicken and walks backward carrying it for a while to help her husband somehow. In the morning, Joshua shaves incident-free. We see Vivian at a table with her attorney, and she's adjusting her will to leave everything to Margaret against her attorney's advice. Seems like an all-of-me situation unfolding. Mm -hmm. When Linda and Charles come out their front door, they find a dead chicken hanging upside down from the porch. Linda calls Susan to tell her of Margaret's actions, and Susan says, I'm already taking care of it. And she's like winding things together in her living room, not clear what she's doing. Margaret calls Joshua from a payphone to announce that she's in terrible trouble. The whole time she's talking, the phone booth she's in is jostling about. She says she tried to recast all the protective spells, but it isn't working because Susan and Linda have gotten too strong. She tells Joshua he must follow her instructions exactly or she will die, and the glass of the phone booth is just shattering all around her and collapsing into the booth. Yeah, like, I feel like this this whole scene, in addition to the flying devil scene, just doesn't match the tone of the rest yeah. of the movie yeah. at all. We, we've, got, we've gone from bewitched to the craft. Yeah, because yes. she's crying here into yeah. the phone. She's, like, sobbing, and she seems terrified. And I'm not even clear if this is something that susan is specifically doing to her now or this is a result of the spell with the lucifer egg but something is causing this to happen but she says write this down take a length of gut and a platinum nip a diamond tip tie the gut into a granny wreath and a carrot bin add some graveyard dirt and wrap it all up in a piece of cotton flannel and tell her to save me I doubt that he understood most of this list because I didn't, and I wasn't hearing it through a phone. (laughs) She steps out of the booth and into her car, which just opens magically for her. Joshua calls Susan, who answers the phone and sets it down before casting a spell on Josh by hitting a tuning fork and playing an obnoxiously loud sound through the phone. Things start falling off the walls, and the phone starts smoking. Shit's flying all over the place while this tone blares, and it's really amazing that nobody in editorial said, you shouldn't have this sound in your movie for so long because it's so annoying that people will either leave or turn it off. Yeah. 
Because if I saw this in a theater, I would have to guess how it ended. Oh, I almost had to turn it off when the alarm clock was going off. Too. I know. It, I, it keeps going. I put it on mute <laughs> until I saw him unplug it. And I was yeah. like, there we go. <laughs> Joshua finally crawls across the room to hang up the phone. We cut back to Margaret staring blankly in her parked car again. And then to Joshua in the witch store buying a platinum tip. Though I'm almost certain she said nip on the phone. A platinum nip. <laughs> Well, it's, she, a, it's an actual witch store? No, it's a stationery store. He he's oh. he's looking for a pen that has a platinum tip and this woman keeps trying to yeah. sell him other things. And finally in, in She's true, weirdly disinterested in selling him what he asked for. Yeah, and but in true Richard Benjamin style, like, ma'am, do you or do you not have a platinum tip? <laughs> yeah. That that is a very Richard Benjamin line. Maybe she said nib. We cut to a very quick scene at a cemetery. I like this is maybe my favorite scene in the whole movie. A groundskeeper walks up to this grave and shouts, Sir, into the hole, and Joshua stands up in it and just asks, Yes? before we cut back to the house because <laughs> he's there collecting graveyard dirt. But I just love that just nonchalantly. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> and the diamond tip from the record player needle. Right. Mm. Um, and he's also tearing strands out of his tennis racket with pliers, and then he rips a flannel shirt in half. Which I guess is the gut because, in theory, I think tennis the flannel... rackets used to be strung with guts. Oh, with cat gut? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's possible. Margaret drives hypnotized down Santa Monica Pier. She's going faster and faster towards the end. While at home, Joshua bundles the ingredients in his hands and shouts, Save her! But it seems too late because we see her car go careening off the end of the pier, not unlike Sonny Malone on a borrowed bicycle earlier Mm -hmm. this year in Xanadu. At night, he waits in the house and suddenly rises to answer the door before anyone knocks on it and finds her standing there soaking wet. She thanks him for his help and he steps outside to pay her cab. At Vivian's place, Linda, Susan, and Vivian talk about how this all got out of hand, and they didn't know that Margaret had taken her shields down. Vivian explains to the witchlets that they nearly killed Josh and Margie. Linda keeps blurting things out, and Susan keeps telling her to shut up, though Vivian doesn't seem to care about any of it. She explains that, I saved them from you two idiots, and Susan says, why? But Vivian doesn't answer. We cut for one shot to Josh reading the witchcraft primer in bed and then back to Vivian's where everyone's sitting around the table still. Weird fucking editing. Yeah. Yeah. And also nothing ever comes from uh, Linda eating one of the cookies. Yeah. Yeah. Even though we've already established, well, we will establish that these are voodoo cookies. Yeah. That would be neat, though. Somewhere at the end, she's just missing a leg or something. (laughs) (laughs) As dark as this movie gets towards the end, I wouldn't. I I would have seen it coming. Yeah. Now, Vivian admits to her full plot. She plans to swap bodies with Margaret since they have compatible bodies. Her soul is compatible with Margaret's. Uh, I would also be immediately like, hold on, were you checking us all? Right. To see if we were compatible. I I think she's admitting straight out that she did. I also doubt that she's the only compatible one, but if I had to pick one of these three ladies to be in the body, Terry Gar for sure. Susan claims not to be scared of Vivian anymore and refuses to participate. She makes Linda choose sides, and Linda says, uh, Vivian, this crazy witch lady that taught you everything you know. And Susan says, yeah, I'm going to remember that you said that. And she gets up to leave when Vivian stabs Susan's cookie on the table, and Susan feels it in her shoulder. She's like, ow! And then we go back to the Lightman house, where Margaret's taking a shower as a seance is happening back at Vivian's. It looks like Susan changed her mind after she got stabbed, because they're all three sitting at this table with joined hands. Vivian is repeating, I shall be Margaret Lightman. Margaret in the shower is repeating, no, no. Suddenly they switch. Margaret is at the table in Vivian's body and passes out. Susan calls an ambulance and Linda's reading her her last rites as she's (laughs) dying here at the table. Josh kisses and probably has sex with Vivian in Margaret's body. (laughs) Later that night, he gets a phone call from Linda's husband, Charlie, calling to inform them of Vivian's heart attack, and Josh says they'll get to the hospital right away. I don't know why. Like, she's not family. She's she's an acquaintance. Right. But I don't know why they have to go to the hospital tonight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, let the family go to the hospital tonight, and then we'll check on her tomorrow. In the hospital, Vivian offers to get some coffee for her own son in someone else's body, and when she steps away, she encounters Susan and Linda. How do I look? Young. Uh-huh. Well, here's to youth. You seem to have acquired more than your share. When she walks away, Linda tells Susan, It's Vivian. I know it is. <laughs> in case it wasn't clear from their entire conversation. A nurse comes to the lobby and asks for Joshua to come in and see Vivian. 
The doctors tell Joshua that Vivian demanded to speak with him specifically and leaves them to speak in private. She pleads with Joshua to help her and explains that she and Vivian have traded bodies. As he leaves the room, Susan immediately corroborates the story in the hall because she can't deal with Vivian being young again. Susan gives him a long list of instructions to prepare so that they can swap the women's souls back. At home, Joshua makes a drink for himself and Margaret, and this time she doesn't finish his over-the-lips rhyme. But does he expect her to do that every time? It's a pretty dumb rhyme. Yeah, she seemed pretty annoyed by having to do yeah. it earlier in the film. I feel like you have to accept that sometimes she's not going to feel like finishing that for you. Yeah, but th- but this was enough to put him over the edge and realize yeah, that, like, oh, definitely th- body swap. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Joshua calls Susan, and Vivian notices that the line is busy and listens in on the call. Susan tells him to hold up a mirror and to break it when he sees Vivian's reflection. Vivian overhears the plan. Just as Josh is about to shatter the mirror, Vivian lunges at him with a knife, and they wrestle to the floor. Josh definitely gets cut here because he's bleeding from the chest, but Vivian bashes him over the head to knock him out. And then for some reason, she doesn't follow up by just straight murdering him to keep her secret. She looks in the bedroom mirror at her new body, and suddenly Josh is conscious again and throws something into it from over her shoulder, and Vivian is immediately on fire with green flame. Yeah. She's pleading for Josh's help, and when he gets closer, the flames lick at him, and he collapses. We see Vivian flatlining in the hospital, and suddenly Margaret is back in her body, and she rushes over to Joshua on the floor and sobs over him. I was confused by the f- green flames mm-hmm. because yeah. I was like, but wait, no, we need this body. <laughs> yeah. Don't burn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, then it's suddenly fine. <laughs> yeah, it's just spiritual flame. Um, but we cut directly to a coffin, and for a split second, I was stupidly certain that he had died. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they Margaret, wanted you to think yeah, that. Yeah, that was the joke of that moment. Yeah. But at first yeah. I was like, oh my god, they killed him? Why would they? Oh, I'm stupid. Two people died in this scene. Yeah, but also they they intentionally don't have him sitting with her while right, everyone else yeah. is sitting down. Yeah. Although I wouldn't either. It's like, yeah, that lady tried to kill my wife. Um, uh, I think it would have been better to have him in like in a wheelchair or something like where he couldn't. Or on crutches, so, oh, so for some reason, reason that he could he wasn't there, like, or some reason that he couldn't sit down right there, like is that he yeah. needed to like stay standing? Uh, Margaret stands and puts Vivian's glasses on the coffin, and then walks over to Josh, whose arm is in a sling from fire. Uh, I would not have gone to this lady's funeral at all if I were these two. Right, uh, I would have if I found out that that uh, once I found out that. Everything was left to me. Oh, that's true. Better better show good You got to look like you were a friend. (laughs) Make sure she's dead. (laughs) Back at the house, they are again in the yard on a blanket, deciding what sex of child they would like to have. Margaret sprinkles the appropriate ingredients on Josh before leaving him in the yard overnight again. And that's the end of our film. But why didn't we come back to that? We now have, like, the the will and everything like that. Like, that should have been the icing on our cake here. And he's still under investigation for sexual harassment yeah <laughs> and i'm almost certain that he impregnated her when she was vivian that night and that when they have this baby it's gonna There'll have vivian demon soul. baby but they want a boy so they're they're probably gonna have one because yeah, in this universe have have wings and glowy eyes yeah it just <laughs> cuts her open well, with lasers well and that was the thing too with like the end credits where it's showing the demon face over the end credits i was like wait is it still alive is it watching them from the bushes yep <laughs> And how the only person that knows how to take care of it is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Our writer-director here was Richard Shore. He also directed Zoo Ship in 1985, which I think is animated because all the credits are voices, and I couldn't find a single frame of the actual movie. Most of his credits are in the sound department on films like Predator, Action Jackson, Poltergeist 3, Die Hard, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Highlander 2, The Quickening. I kind of wish that zoo ship is just ghost ship but instead of or is it ghost ship <laughs> yeah instead instead of nazis we have animals yeah <laughs> well, it was death well, ship yeah oh, death, death ship, ship was death the ship. one with That's nazis it. ghost ship death ship um but it. zoo ship the plot which i do know is an <laughs> alien spaceship crashes into earth and it's it's basically a noah's ark that was uh. leaving another planet and so now there's hundreds of species of aliens on the planet um but the aliens are us Twist. What? <laughs> uh, the other director who finished the film, Herbert L. Strock, this was his last director credit and his second for 1980 after Monstroid, which we didn't review this year, but we'll cover on its 41st anniversary at the suggestion of listener Stephen Sperling. 
mostly TV credits dating back to the 1950s for Mr. Strzok. Writer Sid Dutton, this is his only writing credit. <laughs> I'm sure Weird. you're shocked to hear. <laughs> Most of his credits are visual effects, including matte painting for Blues Brothers earlier this year, History of the World Part 1 next year, Blade Runner, Dune, Beyond Thunderdome, Clue, The Gate, Millennium, and general VFX credits on Spaceballs, Running Man, Coming to America, Star Trek Four, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and 20 others I wanted to list here but won't. Yeah, those, those are some good, like, especially like Blade Runner, some good matte paintings. In yeah, Blade and Runner. most of the most of his credits are matte paintings, and they're, they're for cool movies. So this guy is a hell of a, a matte painter and not a great writer, it turns out. <laughs> uh, novelist Fritz Lieber Jr., mostly adaptations of this, but also TV and film adaptations of The Dead Man, not the Jarmusch Dead Man film, but The Dead Man, and also something called game for motel room which has two adaptations that kept the title uh, okay uh terry gar was margaret lightman she's ronnie neary in close encounters she's sandy in tootsie which she got an oscar nomination for best actress for she's inga in young frankenstein she played phoebe's mom on friends and she's mary swanson's sister helen swanson in dumb and dumber right they're sisters right uh i don't know if they would have been sisters is it her mom uh, I didn't even realize they were related until I was reading this and saw that they had the same last name. I, mean, I thought Terry they were Gar, friends. Terry Gar, at that point, that it's was only like ten years older than this, right? Uh, yeah, ten, fifteen, yeah. I don't think she's old enough to be Lauren Holly's mom, but I don't know. Richard Benjamin was Joshua Lightman. We had him in Last Married Couple, How to Beat the High Cost of Living, and our Patreon episode of Catch Twenty Two for this year. He'll be back for First Family later this year. He also directed My Favorite Year, The Money Pit, My Stepmother's an Alien, Mermaids, Milk Money, a bunch of great stuff. Lana Turner was Vivian Cross. She played Cora Smith in The Postman Always Rings Twice. She's Laura Meredith in Imitation of Life. She was Constance McKenzie in Peyton Place, for which she got an Oscar for Best Actress. This was her final film. Looking through her life story, I noticed that she has a living daughter by the name of Cheryl Crane, who at the age of 14 stabbed her mother's boyfriend to death in what was ruled a justifiable homicide. This is similar to our next movie. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things similar to our next movie, like yeah. smashing mirrors. To the kill phone people. exploding. Uh, Johnny Stampanato, Turner's boyfriend at the time, was well known to be abusive and had extreme jealousy issues such that he crashed the set of Another Time, Another Place to pull a gun on Turner's co-star, Sean Connery. Connery capably disarmed the man <laughs> and beat him before forcibly removing him from the set. Good job, <laughs> After buddy. which, Scotland Yard had him <laughs> deported. Uh, Sean when, Connery? Yeah. <laughs> How dare you assault this man? Uh, when Turner tried to end their relationship, he started making threats on her life, and Cheryl grabbed a knife from the kitchen and then accidentally stabbed him as he ran up to her in a hallway, at least according to her and her mother's testimony. Catherine Lee Scott played Susan Carrie. We just had her as Maggie Evans in our House of Dark Shadows uh, review for the Patreon. She was also Catherine in The Great Gatsby. Bill Sorrells played Nick Carey. He's Klein in The Howling next year. He's Tamarkin in Heaven Can Wait and Surfer Cop in Fletch. Who's the surfer cop? Well, there's a couple of surfer cops. I don't know if they ever really... They're just the ones that are undercover on the beach? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, Kelly Jean Peters played Linda Reynolds. She's Olga in Little Big Man. She's Young Jess in Poltergeist 2. And she's Sally in Jack Frost, the horror Jack Frost. She ends up dying with a bunch of ornaments smashed in her face on a Christmas tree. Jordan Charney played Charlie Reynolds. He plays the teacher in Those Lips, Those Eyes... He's Dean Yeager from Ghostbusters. Yeah. And he's Harry Hunter in Network. Angus Scrimm is in this movie, but uh, he's credited as Lawrence Guy. Uh, he played Carl Groton, or Groton. That's the actual president of the university, the father of the girl, the religious girl. He plays the tall man in the Phantasm films. Yeah, he does. He's also Father Shellnut in John Dies at the End. He plays an undertaker in Munchie and Cronus maybe another name for the undertaker character in munchie strikes back because i've only seen the first munchie film you, you watched the whole thing uh, yeah i did it's great <laughs> uh he plays the narrator in the 97 Wishmaster, and he's also dr carrington in chopping mall that was everything i had for credits on this one anything from you guys oh no <laughs> i have 
very little to say about this film. Uh, <laughs> it, there's a lot of bizarre tonal changes yeah. from beginning to end. Um, although I can't fault any of the performances. I think they're all fun. I don't think anyone was doing a poor job there. Uh, it's just bad, really bad editing. Like, that's the most noticeably well, bad thing. So the, the editor was Herbert Strzok, who is our additional sequences director. So okay. it seems like he maybe he was the editor on the film, and when they lost their he director, became they, the director, he became the director. Yeah. Well, either way, it seemed like he didn't know what he was doing, and he wasn't shooting. Even though he's an editor, he wasn't getting enough coverage for himself to establish that it was nighttime or that things were happening concurrently. Yeah. I mean, he is... I, I looked it up his credits, and he is a director of other things. Right. It seems like mostly, t- mostly television. Yes. Um, but, yeah. The, yeah. He wasn't very good at directing or editing, it seems. <laughs> yeah. But I also feel like if the demon didn't come out of that egg, that I would have liked this movie less. Oh, yeah, as oh, for much sure. As, it's, yeah. as much as it's yeah. weird that it happened, I still feel like if that didn't happen, I would be much more bored by this movie. Well, of course. It provided us a, a, a very interesting standout yes. moment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, I <laughs> I know you came in to check on me when I was watching this movie. Yeah. Like, what is happening in there? I just heard you laughing hysterically <laughs> in the other room. And I was like, did something happen in here? And you're like, like, just this wait. Movie. Just wait. <laughs> wait till you watch this movie. But, because yeah. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> yeah. When that happened, and then with the like the creepy soul transference, um, and like her in bed, like as Vivian like pleading with him, was like, I don't know if you guys ever saw the Skeleton Key. Um, that's that's a newer one, right? Uh, well, I mean, Kate yeah, Hudson and yeah, Louisiana, Kate, yeah, taking over the house or something. Yeah, I mean, like I don't want spoil alert if you haven't seen Skeleton Key. It turns out it's a whole body swap situation yeah. going on in that it's house. A, it's a get out type thing. Mm. Um, it's actually a reverse get out. Yeah, <laughs> it's get in. <laughs> yeah, it's get in. Yeah, because um, all the all the black people that were kept as slaves on the plantation are taking over the people that that ran it. Mm. So it's the opposite of get out. Uh, are we rooting for them? Yeah. Good. I just want to make sure that that's the way. I that mean, movie. I guess it. in the film, no. Oh. In the film, in the film, no. Oh. It, but it, I was rooting for them <laughs> to kill Kate Hudson. <laughs> um. So that's an upsetting scene, and then when she. Richard Benjamin gets stabbed. I was like, oh my God. Honestly, like, I was more disoriented by the sudden like sniper rifle fire yeah. than I was by this demon coming out of yeah. an egg and firing lasers from its eyes. Because that was more of a like, what the fuck is this movie? I don't get it. <laughs> that didn't need to happen. The sexual assault thing didn't need to happen. It could have just been like simple things that were screwing him up and then he lost the job because of it. That's enough to... to indicate to me that he has bad luck but we're affecting his permanent record by putting sexual assault charges on mm-hmm. file maybe maybe once she uh once she puts all her charms back on all that stuff luckily goes away because all yeah. gets swept under the rug turns out he killed himself so he can't press charges oh great how <laughs> lucky of me and i destroyed all the footage of you doing it to him great thanks honey um and we got all this money now we're rich uh, yeah. What do you think, uh, Jess, up or down on this one? Oh, God, it's a down. <laughs> yeah, I it's think so. It's rough. It's actually a reluctant down for me, though, because it's weird enough that I'd be like, watch it. <laughs> you won't no. expect what happens. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wish this upon many. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it's a down. This. Wish it. Oh, no. <laughs> um, it's a down for sure. Um, if, it had, if it had maintained, like, it would have been it would have been very mediocre had it just been what it was at the beginning all the yeah. way through again like i i mentioned it's like a, watching an episode of bewitched yes i didn't feel like anything was too out of control it was mean but not murderous yeah um once it takes the turn to murder and and essentially like you know the body swap thing is essentially murder mm-hmm. you're condemning someone to death yeah you're murdering yeah. someone with old age yeah mm-hmm. um like it, it should have been that it should have been the craft all the way through yeah uh but is this a horror movie it becomes one it, i think it does i think yeah. it's a straight horror movie for the third act for sure but the first two-thirds of it is not no not at all it's like a madcap comedy yeah it's very weird <laughs> it's very strange you know what i'm switching mine this is an up watch it because it's <laughs> such a weird tonal shift 
this isn't up for me down 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 up is that what we have yeah yeah okay um where's this go on your list jess it's very low um i don't ever need to watch this movie again it is number 130 on my list okay it is below bon voyage charlie brown and it Yikes. is above oh god book two okay richard uh i have this at 118 um this is puts it just below loving couples and just above stunter rock okay um no offense to richard benjamin i love richard benjamin but this movie goes at 113 just under how to beat the high cost of living another <laughs> richard benjamin film uh and just above mother's day i think that's about it for this one if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us we are vintage video pod on twitter facebook instagram and letterbox where as i've said before you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year we can also be found at vintagevideopodcast.com please consider rating us on itunes to help people find the show and if you take the time to leave us a review we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode if you're feeling especially generous you can also support the show through patreon.com slash vintage video podcast thank you so much for listening and i hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing the boogeyman or if you're in the uk the bogeyman (laughs) which imdb describes like so through the reflection in the mirror a girl witnesses her mother's boyfriend's murder (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah. the de- that's the descriptor of the cold open out of the whole movie <laughs> no 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 that's pretty much it oh i guess that's true because it just keeps happening <laughs> Nothing oh else. I, I also thought that you were going to say what the uk title was going to be like the eagles fly yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the eagles fly versus the boogeyman <laughs> we leave you now with a trailer for the boogeyman when you were a child did they warn you about the boogeyman the Boogeyman. He hurt bad children and did terrible things to their mommies. But you can't kill the Boogeyman. most terrifying nightmare of childhood returns the boogeyman the boogeyman he's going to get you and you and you hide from him. (laughs) By the time they believe in him, it'll be too late. The Boogeyman, he's going to get you.